time for another episode of The Epic Narrative. Thanks for coming. Here's my dad, Bob Switzer. And welcome back, everyone. (laughs) I hope you had a fabulous time between the last episode and this episode. Even if you're binging it, and it's only been a few seconds, I hope you're enjoying the epic narrative. I absolutely love doing this. I just do. I I, I hope it goes worldwide and millions and millions of people listen. But if it doesn't, honestly, I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate those of you that listen and uh, pass it on and you know let other people uh, connect. I know that I'm strange. I do know. And as I mentioned uh, last week, or last in the last episode, it is difficult for people to imagine God being good all the time, all the time. So we're going to kind of keep in the same uh, verses, verses 1 through 5, 1 through 4 in Genesis 1 today, because we're going to deal with God, right? In the beginning, we dealt with in the fact that this is out of this realm called the beginning. That doesn't mean at the beginning of time, but in the beginning. Everything of creation is contained in this place called beginning. And out of the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Out of the beginning, God. So God, listen now, God, not the fall of man, is is the point of creation. I, I I know, I know. That's a big, that's a, it's kind of a, we'll break down that concept. We'll break down that concept because I do think it's, it's important. So many people take their view of God starting with, we'll call it the sin of Adam and Eve, the fall of man. They look at God at that point. That becomes uh, their their uh, their go-to place, their fallback, their description, their their comfort zone. This is this is the God I know. The fall of Adam and Eve. That's when God shows up on the scene. That's when God is walking in the garden. But listen, any theory or concept of God, any concept of this story needs to come back to the beginning. It needs to come back to where it all came from. So if your story of of man, if your story of creation begins in Genesis chapter three, you haven't gone back far enough. If your identity, oh sweet Jesus, if your identity does it go back to the beginning? You're not going back far enough. Man, I, I, I hope that makes sense. So many people have been, have been overrun with a sense of identity that starts with the fall of man. Probably the, you know, the, the, the biggest one in my head is like this old hymn. And I, I grew up in, I grew up in church. So hymns were part of my world. I, I, they they bring back memories now, but but honestly, I love I love worship music, and I love it uh, mostly in the praise form, not necessarily the, the the reflective form. So I like I like music that keeps moving. I really do. I like I like tons of rhythm, or like a massive buildup. Uh, I do like massive buildups. But I, I still like them to be moving along. Like there can be slow songs that have massive buildups that I really enjoy. But but generally speaking, and generally speaking, I I probably would never be a really good worship leader because because it would just be like a pretty much a dance zone all the way through. It it might start slow with the first song, like or slower, moderate, with a nice build, and then it would just go to dance zone for the <laughs> for the rest of it and i'd uh, anyways you don't have to dance i just like that kind of music you can i can anyways bob that's what you get to the story thank you engineer bob is in my head going why 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 are we here oh worship worship is is 
often, <laughs> often even in worship music. Oh, the hymn. Thank you, Bob, again. Thank you, my engineer. Yes, I was talking about the hymn. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Man, that resonated with so many people for so many years. Why? Because that's their identity. Their identity in, in Christ, their identity in God only went back to Genesis chapter 3, quote, the fall of man. And they would sing it like, I remember my dad, my dad who's currently in heaven and really loving worship songs, but I remember him singing that song with that, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Man, it was like, oh, it just resonated because people identified with it. That's all I am. And there, there was, uh, you know, uh, bumper stickers. That was a, I don't know if some of you are old enough to remember, but like Christian bumper stickers were like a rage in the, in the late seventies. Um, uh, I found it was a big one. I, I, <laughs> there was a song out with it. I found it. Yeah. Uh, golly day. Why do I remember that? I found it by Christine Wurtzen. I oh my gosh, that is an old song. Why is it stuck in my head? Anyways, uh, I found it was one, um, but uh, I'm you know I'm just a sinner saved by saved by grace or or you know I'm saved. Um, I may be I may be a sinner, but I'm but I'm saved or something like that. Like there was just there was a lot of inferences and references to the fact that that uh, oh I'm I'm a sinner, but forgiven or forgiven was oh my gosh, Bob, you should have done some research. I can't. Well, I didn't know I was going down this road. I didn't know this is like now I'm like having flashbacks of yellow bumper stickers with black lettering and and uh, forgiven was what was one that was out there. Like the whole concept was well. I may not be, I may not be right all the time. I may sin all the time, but at least I'm forgiven. Type of concept, and and again, that, that identity went back to Genesis chapter three. It doesn't go all the way back to the beginning. If you don't go back to, to where it started, then you're missing the identity that we were created for. That's what we were created out of. We were created out of the beginning, in which all the character, light, and life, and love, and joy, and peace of God comes from. And, and every word he speaks, if you remember, is incorruptible because it came and comes from an incorruptible space. We talked about that last week. So there's, there's, there's no way that it can be corrupted by sin. Your identity can only be masked by sin. And your awareness of who you really are is what the enemy tries to, try to, tries to distract you from and deceive you into. Because he doesn't want you to know who you really are. Do you, do you, once again, like this is the biggest threat that Jesus brought to the world. It was the, the world systems didn't want Jesus on this planet because he was showing people the way. He was showing them the way that they could live life in full connection to their true identity as, as, as outflows from the creative power of God out of the beginning. In eternity, from eternity they were created. They were never, you'd never die. When you're fully connected to your identity, time is irrelevant because in eternity it's irrelevant. It's it's fascinating how much people have been, been drawn back to as far as Genesis chapter 3. And I believe that but part of that is, if you want to use Christianese, it's a religious spirit. But it's part of the deception of the enemy. It's part of, you know, he, yeah, it's part of religion. I was going to say, but I was going to, I'll say more about that, right? Religion, religion, it, it wants you to earn what's already been given to you. Religion, religion wants to make you perform and behave in a way that will release to you uh, according to their rules they will release to you the freedom and power and authority that God's given you that God has already given that God literally created you from and with 
But religion says, no, 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 no. You need to, you need to worship right. You need to believe correctly. You, you need to pray in such a way as this. Uh, and then, and then you hang out with me long enough and you do all the right things. And then we will, we will pronounce you to be someone of value. We will, you know, give you a microphone. We will give you a stage. We will put a spotlight on you. We will give you a, a class that's just, you know, yours. You'll be able to influence others because you've done all the right things. You've, you've obeyed, you've, you've uh, prayed, you've studied, and shown yourself approved unto God. Bless Jesus. Now we're going to release you. Oh, yeah, man, religion loves that kind of opportunity to control. And religion will constantly bring you back to that place. Don't forget the fall of man. That's who you truly are. The, the truth was seen that day. And we will get into that day when we finally get to that chapter. But holy smokes, what a day that was. Oh, my goodness. And talk about a misinterpretation of God. Oh, and it's not—it's not that uh, everyone believes that misinterpretation, but man, God has been misinterpreted, and so that's why I want you to come back, way back, all the way back to the beginning. God, wow! Any interpretation of God's word needs to go back. To God. I know. Crazy, isn't it? What a crazy thought. God's word needs to go back to God? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And, and that interpretation of God needs to where? Go back to the beginning. It needs to go back to the beginning. That's who God is. That's when he revealed himself through his creation out of the beginning. That's who God is. You see, so many people, they, they, they take their interpretation of God and they get it stuck in the way that he's described in various other parts of Scripture. And, and they say, well, well, yeah, this is God. God is this angry, maniacal person. God is, God is a very patient God. Until that point that his patience runs out, and then, you know, he'll kill you. Or maybe just give you uh, a broken arm. Or maybe he will, uh, you know, take from you what he's given you. Because he gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh my goodness, we'll get there too. But any interpretation of God needs to go all the way back to creation. Because that's where he revealed himself. Or... You can go all the way forward to Jesus when he revealed himself again because he, <laughs> he was like, they still don't get it. They're still writing things about me that aren't me. Their, their perception of me is getting in the way of me. So Jesus, show them what I'm like. And we've been through that, and I'm sure I'll hit it again, but... But if you need to, listen to my other podcasts. Listen to the, yeah, the only time that Jesus ever looks angry, right, is in the temple. In the temple. And I did a whole podcast on it, but generally this is what it means. There is nothing in the vocabulary of that story that indicates anger. And culturally, there is nothing he did that would have indicated that he was doing something strange or different that wasn't normally done by teachers who went to that section of the temple to, to teach the Gentiles, the people who, who weren't Jewish. Everything he did that day would have been heard, or you know, the description of what was heard, nobody would have thought, wow, Jesus lost his freaking mind on people. They would have said, oh, Wow, that's awesome. What an amazing teaching that must have been. 
All right, on with this. On with the story. We're talking about God. Any interpretation, any interpretation of God needs to go back to God. At the beginning, any intention of God seen in the narrative or the Bible needs to go back to God, not the fall of man. This is this is literally like so important. Any intention. So when you read scripture, and I I do this with with Jesus, you know, Holy Spirit, God, I do this with Him all the time. I read scripture and I say, "Ooh, this doesn't look right. This doesn't look like the God of the beginning. This doesn't look like the God who created light. This doesn't look like like I I, I joke with Him. I'll I'll be like, you know, I I will purposely go to these passages and be like, okay, God." You have a problem. <laughs> I love telling God he's got a problem because he laughs and I laugh. And then he basically says, yeah, man, let's dig into this. And we do. Oh, man, and it is awesome because I look at, at those places that look like problems, that look like, like God has you know decided to wipe out an entire nation, that look like God has commanded you know, uh, we, uh, the kingdom be, be taken from Saul. That was one we dealt with uh, in our last last year's epic narrative. Anything that looks like that, I go to him and I say, God, you have a problem? And he's like, yeah, let's go at it. I, I view those as like those clouds of mystery, those the dark clouds that roll in the light. We yeah, Like we mentioned last week. They aren't things for me to be scared of. They're things for me to walk into. There's things, those, those are things where I bring the light of who I am, the light of who God created to me, to me to be, the light of him, I bring into the, the cloud of mystery, and I'm like, let's find what's in here because it's awesome. I don't need to be scared of darkness. I need to bring the light to the darkness, and I need to bring what's in the, in the darkness to light. So the mystery is destroyed. At least for me, the revelation allows it to be revealed. And when bad stuff is happening, whether it be in the world or in your house or in your internal world, your your, your soul, bring the light in there. Bring what's the you know what's what's hidden into the light and say this is this is what's going on. Let's work with it. Let's deal with it. Let's get released from it. If it's a if it's a sin, if it's something that's weighing you down and keeping you from a full connection of your true identity, a full awareness of who God made you to be, so much of our identity really ties into this idea of awareness, awareness of of the frequency of heaven, the frequency of creation. Uh, I believe that when He created the world and He spoke the words, right? He spoke the words in light came out of those waves. The frequency of creation is in everything. Every material thing can be found, you know, on uh, with scientific equipment. Every material thing, they can find the frequency of that. And yes, it, I have no doubt in my mind that, that military might and governments have been trying to utilize frequencies in order just, just to find out what they can do. Many times it's been proposed that if you can get the right frequency of the item that you're pointed at, right, that item will break apart. We see it with glass. You can do the, the, the glass rim thing. All right, Bob, you're really off the, off the rails here. Focus, Bob. Sorry about that, everyone. Well, I'm not really all that sorry. It's my podcast. I know, but we'll try and get back here. So where was I? Interpretation of God needs to go back to the beginning, not the places along the way. Now, God does allow himself to be perceived as a trinity. All right? And we see that here in creation. We've got God the Father, we've got the Spirit of God, and we've got Jesus. All these things are right here in these first three verses. And he allows himself to be seen by his finite creation in a manner that allows them to get a concept of his essence. 
He allows for time and space to give our minds a framework of stability, to give us a, an opportunity for understanding, something we can hang our thoughts on. But that's for our minds. But our hearts understand that God is, is an essence. God is a, is a spirit being. That eternity is beyond time and space. And that's just what, you know, time, that eternity, that place of eternity is what, in essence, time and space came out of. So that we could have a framework to understand where we came from. So our minds would have an opportunity and not just not just spin out of control. And the Trinity concept again gives us, you know, this opportunity to interact with God in a way that allows us to to feel in relationship with our Creator. And I know I know most people I know have gone through levels of of interaction with with the Trinity, right? Usually people are really quick and feel very connected to Jesus because usually our perception of God is he can get a little angry and and kill people. So mm, probably want to talk to the son. And the son, he's a good guy. Like he's one of a he's a carpenter. He's a he, you know, he walked amongst fishermen. He hung out in the marketplace. He cooked, you know, fish over an open fire. Like he's just a good guy. So we can hang out with Jesus. And then and then sometimes even Holy Spirit becomes like scary for some people. Some people jump right in. Holy Spirit, oh yeah. Spirit. Spirit's awesome. He's the one who like gives you. Uh, connection into into the heavenly realms allows you to to touch things and and see it healed. Allows you to raise the dead. Allows you to uh, to speak in languages that you don't know. Allows you to connect to heaven in your in your you know meditation time in your worship time. Sometimes you can feel them in the room. Oh yeah 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 that's good that's good. Oh Holy Spirit that's good. Now some people think oh Holy Spirit that's scary. Like I don't know who that is and. And he might do something I don't want to, I don't want done. I'm uncomfortable with. So you know, I'll just stick with Jesus. But we're aware of Holy Spirit. And then you have God the Father. And because our perception of God the Father usually goes back to Genesis chapter three, and our often misperception of who He is in that in that fall of man scenario, we get to a place where we look at Him and we say He's a bit scary. He's up there. And then we complicate it. Religion has complicated your connection to God by coming up with this judicial picture of God and the Son. This punitive picture of God where God is the judge and Jesus is the lawyer and Holy Spirit is, is you know, like the advocate and Jesus, you know, stands between you and the judge and he says, Father, I will take the punishment for them. Like the angry God, the angry judge behind the desk with the gavel in his hand is going to sentence you to death because of your sin. But Jesus holds back the Father's anger and says, look at them through my blood. And when Jesus looked, or when God looks at us through the blood of his son, he sees he sees purity he sees he sees sinlessness and he says i will let them live and as powerful as that picture is you're still stuck with a god who's wicked pissed and just wants to kill you boy i tell you if jesus just steps it aside a little bit and he you know the father doesn't see you through the blood of jesus boom baby you're a dead man you're a dead man because the wages of sin is death. 
So that picture of God, that punitive picture of God, usually keeps most people from really wanting to connect with him. And frankly, I don't blame you. I wouldn't want to connect to him either. Even though, you know, connecting to Jesus, I can do that. Like, he's the good guy. He stands in the way. He died for my sins. He's, he's the one. And for years, I was afraid of the Holy Spirit. Like, that was just a little too mysterious for me, a little scary. Yeah, uh, people who seem to be connected to the Holy Spirit do weird things, dance, shake, shout, talk funny. Um, you know, they, they pray for people. Like, they can be healed. Like, we all know God brings sickness so that he can teach us a lesson because it's all the will of God. The will of God. We'll get into the will of God as well because eventually we need to. But right now, in order to move on, I'm going to move on. So God allows himself to be seen as a trinity. He allows uh, for time and space so that it gives our minds a place, a framework of understanding. It just, he wants to be known. That's what I want you to hear. He wants to be known as he is in the beginning where he created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1, 1. He wants to be known as a place of love because that's what he is. He wants to be known as a place of creativeness, creative wisdom. He is not only creative, he is the creator. And he created the beginning from which all of creation came from. And he is not under time. He's not in the confines of time. Although he allowed time to be created so that we would, our finiteness would have a, a place in which to understand him. Why? Because he wants you to connect to him. Relationship is what he desires. For me, it's it's probably the most, uh, the highest reason. The number one reason I think of in my mind as to why he allows us to be, uh, you know, created this concept or allows us to understand him, perceive him in this in this Trinity mindset. Because he's saying, the three of us are all one. We work as one. We think as one. We create as one. But I'm going to separate us out a little bit so that you understand a little bit of what's going on. But it's basically so that we all under come to a place where we feel connected to our creator. And that's, that's some of the perception that we need to come with whenever we interpret God's word. We need to go back to this God who is love. We need to go back to the God who is creative and is a creator, who is not confined by time. Our concepts and understandings of the story of God's word needs to bring us back to this God. This God who is a God of love. I mean, he describes himself that way. He just... <laughs> He didn't say, you know, I am a God who's a little hard to get to know. No, he's like, I'm a God of love. And what does love bring? Love brings hope. Where? To everything. Why? Because I'm also a creator and I'm creative. I'm not confined by time. Any circumstance you're, you're in, I can bring hope to. Why? Because that's who I am. And that's what love does. Love brings hope. He's a God of freedom. What does that mean? It means he doesn't try to control you. If love tries to control, it's not love. Now, the idea, I'll, I'll separate this out briefly. The idea of being constrained by love is different than being controlled by love. Constrained by love means I there is nothing I can do that isn't motivated out of love because love is so powerful and so beneficial, and so filled with hope that I just have to do everything from it because I get such joy 
from my connection to the God of love. I'm constrained by it. It's way different than being a slave, than being bound in a slave mentality. God can't have a bunch of slaves around him. God wants a bunch of sons around him, a bunch of children. He created us to be children of God, children of light, children of creativity, children of hope, children of freedom, of joy. God is a God of joy. Wow. What does that mean? He's laughing all the time? <laughs> I'll tell you what he laughs at all the time. He laughs at the plans of the enemy. God says that in the book of Psalms. He, 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 we laugh at the plans of the enemy. Why? Because he can't, he can't execute them. Do you understand the only way the enemy has authority is if we give it to him? The only way his plans work is if we acknowledge them and work under them. These are the threatening things that Jesus showed us about, about our true identity, about our, our call to go back to the beginning, to where we were, we were created and, and by whom we were created. Joy is something that just is like, to me, is like a deep-seated volcano. And laughter is when it spurts out the top. But joy is something that flows deeply and is hot and, and powerful. I can't tell you the number of times I have broken the atmosphere in a room or in a, or, or shall we say, in an intense conversation just by smiling. Just by smiling, things shift in a room. I've been in counseling sessions, you know, where somebody has smiled and, and immediately the shift happens. Shift happens? Did you just say that? No, shift. I said shift. Pay attention, Bob. Chimney crickets. You think I'd say that other thing on my podcast? No. Shift happens. There you go. God is a God of peace. <laughs> I can't. I know. I can't believe I went there either. All right. All right. Sorry. <laughs> God is a God of peace. Everything he breathes in is love, hope, joy, peace. So everything he breathes out when he speaks is filled with love and hope and joy and peace and creativity and wisdom and gentleness and kindness and meekness and patience. I mean, it's just, this is who he is. And he can't speak out of something that doesn't exist within him. So people who want him to be this angry, judgmental, punitive God, you have to find that in creation. It's not there. It's not there because it doesn't exist within him and he can't come up with it later, you know, in, in whatever, in the book of Exodus or actually later in the book of Genesis. You can't look at those stories and say, well, that's who God is because if that's what God is, it would show up here because he can't create us something that isn't a part of him. There would have been some form of violence or judgment or punitiveness or, or, or a flip side, like there'd be love and hate. Hope and hopelessness. You know, joy and sadness. There'd be something in here that wasn't good. It's all good because it's all he can breathe out because it's all who he is. Life and healing is all he can do. Now, I do know some, I do know. You say, Bob, that's not practical. Because why are there sick people in the world? Why are there dead people in the world? How come, you know, I got COVID and I still have, you know, effects of it a year later and I pray every day that God would heal me? Yeah, well, I'll tell you this. It's not, it's not, you know, a lack of faith, right? I'm not going to blame this on you. And I know it's not a lack of character or, or, you know, part of God's character to leave you in that place. That part I know as well. I don't have an answer for everybody. I don't. I wish I did. I wish, I wish it was 100%. Everyone I prayed for got healed. I wish it was true for anybody. 
But what I do know is there are thousands of people healed every day by the love of God. People that are prayed over, people that are touched. People, I, people are healed literally just by meditating and getting connected to the frequency of heaven. And then all of a sudden they feel the pain leave their body. And I know, I know of people that have suffered in pain their entire lives. And they love Jesus and they follow Jesus and they, and they worship God. And yet they still suffer. I don't know why. It doesn't, it doesn't, I don't. But I will not let my perception of circumstances change what I know about God. Because anytime I allow my experience to drive my theology, I become very unstable. Like a, like a, uh, you know, a, a, a rudderless ship blowing here and there with every wind of doctrine. I have to go with what I know about God. That's where my trust and faith is put. I believe all of creation reveals what has already re existed in heavenly realms from the beginning. So everything we discover about the universe existed in the beginning when God created. It came out of the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. And the character of God and the voice of God are secure for eternity. It's secure, incorruptible words. Because it came from eternity in an incorruptible space. So God's voice that created the heavens and the earth continues to reap the, the flow of expansion, of love, of hope, of joy, of peace. We should look at the size of the universe, of the heavens that were created and say, wow, I'm so in insignificant. We should look at it and say, wow, our God is so massive and amazing. We shouldn't look at it and say, who am I? We should look at it and say, wow, like, what am I? I am, I am, I am this creation. I am connected to this God. I'm so connected to this God that he actually wants to make sure that I perceive him correctly, that I have relationship with him, that he didn't leave me on some, some little blue planet in the outskirts of a spiral uh, galaxy in the middle of a universe with black strings of, of what seems to be lightlessness and, and weird things like black holes. Like I'm not out here kind of on my own. I am a unique creation that reflects my creator. Holy smokes, I'm amazing. That's the way God created us. That's who God is. And anytime you run into, into something in scripture, anytime you hear a story that some somebody's telling from about God that doesn't sound like this God is eternal, uncorrupted, love, creativity, hope, peace, joy, patience. Anytime you hear those kind of stories that don't reflect who he truly is, just understand, nah, somebody might not got it right. That's okay. Don't turn around and like label them and judge them. Like that's, that's just, that's just falling into the same religious ridiculousness that so many, so many of us have been trapped in. I, I know, I know I was so good at labeling and judging people. I was ridiculously good at it. So quick at it. And I could tear somebody down and tear down their theology. I, I, I don't know. I thought I could do it faster than most. Because being right was is so important in religion. Being right 
allows you to divide from the wrong. And God is not a divider. Again, the teachings of Jesus was what? They will know. They will they know that our what how did he pray it? Uh-huh. See, Bobby should have I didn't know I was going down this road. Stop. I'm trying to focus. Jesus, when he when he prayed to the Father, said, May they be united as uh, may they be one as I and the Father are one. Unity and freedom. Love. Love and freedom were the things that that his children are to unite around and through because they reflect their creator. And and the only way that we do that is if we understand that God's picture of himself started in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created. Out of the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When in doubt, go back to the beginning. All right, that's it for this week. I appreciate you guys. Next week, I don't, I don't know what, what I don't know where we're gonna do the word. Cre- I'll talk to you next week. Have a great day, everyone. Don't leave just yet. We've got Bob thoughts. Hey, so here we are. Bob thoughts on episode two. Episode two. This was about God. Now, <laughs> yeah, <coughs> you have to laugh a little bit, right? You have to laugh over the fact that I tried to incorporate a teaching on God in a matter of what? What, what are that? What? Forty minutes? Is that what I did? Like forty minutes, right? Honestly. That's a little arrogant. <laughs> I don't even know what I was thinking. Clearly, I didn't try to cover it all. My main my main thing, if you didn't catch it, right, was you need to go back to the beginning in order to under, understand the character of God because it's the character of God that allows you to interpret Scripture, to translate the original language. Your understanding of who God is, who God is impacts everything when it comes to translation because... As I have found out over and over and over and over and over again, in the, especially in these studies for my podcast, the translators in their heart of hearts want to get things right. I don't doubt their motive. I don't doubt their expertise or their academic prowess. But when they have an opportunity to choose between two languages or two, two definitions or sometimes 13 definitions, do they side they side with the one that they believe best pictures God saying these words and most of the time they're under <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to remain calm cuz I get really passionate about this. Most of the time their understanding of who God is is not all good. It's not all Love. They have some either divide d- d- division in God that says, well, in one covenant he's this way, and in another covenant he's this way, or they have some rule of law where because he is creator God, he can lose his freaking mind and start wiping out entire nations because, well, God, you know, what are you going to do? He's God. If anybody can do it, he can. Not me, not you, but... But maybe maybe we can a little bit because we're supposed to be like him. And 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 so that understanding of who God is is so to me is so important that you go back to the beginning, not Genesis three, which I know I I hit on pretty hard. Back to the beginning, back to the love, the joy, the hope, the light, the freedom, the grace. <laughs> And if your translation of the original language does not look like that, I think you may have a judgment. Now, I'm not going to, I understand myself enough to know I have a judgment. I come to the translations and I say, if it ain't good, it ain't God. So let's keep looking. If it ain't, if it, if it doesn't look like Jesus, then it can't be, it can't look like that can't be God because Jesus gave us a picture of God. 
Every everything to me comes back to this. I I do know some of you are like, what happened to the story of Genesis? Like Bob's preaching theology, and it's true. I I found myself getting quite animated internally. Like, what am I gonna like? How can I do this? What am I gonna do with this? Because I have to. I'm telling the story of Genesis, but clearly the story of Genesis also involves theology because it starts with God. It starts with God. So here we go. I I hit it. I I hope you enjoyed it. I I hope you weren't uh, put off by by too much of my um, passion for the goodness of God. Because in that in that I, I am passionate about it, and and uh, I think I've said it before. But I've been told I am a progressive theologian when it comes to this. I I don't even. I mean, I kind of know what it is because I looked it up, but. Uh, I would have to agree with them. I don't. I, I don't even know what all the tenets of progressive theology is. I just know they are really into a good God. Another person said, uh, a really good friend of mine. We do not agree on everything. He was like, Bob, you have the most radical view of the goodness of God that I've ever seen. I've ever. I've ever listened to. And he listens to my podcast, and and we, you know, we'll go out to lunch or we'll have a phone call because. I don't mind not being right. I really don't. I can I could be wrong. But so far, so far, I I'm not convinced I am. I'm not I'm not convinced. So I say let's keep pushing the goodness of God. Uh there's a there's a there's a guy who I don't even know if he agrees with me, but his phrasing of the goodness of God really really captured me. Uh his name is Steve Backlund. He writes amazing books on how to just combat the lies that the enemy is in. So go, you know, go buy his books if you have it. Uh, but Steve Backlund, he would often say, if you have a, a thought about the goodness of God, he said, think about that, and then think, he's even better than I. He's even better. Like he's even better than you think. God is even gooder than you think. And I keep going. All right, let's keep pushing those thoughts. Push them. Push them. Push them. Push them. So far. I haven't I haven't felt any internal instinct, any quote spirit part of me that says, hey Bob, you've gone a little too far. <laughs> oh man. And that goes with worship too, right? You get into worship. What is worship supposed to do? It's not for God, right? God doesn't need worship. God knows that we need worship because we become like things that we worship. And if you think God is a judgmental bipolar period, or not bipolar, that's I don't mean to flip be flipping about that, but if you think he's a if you think he's a judge that will periodically lose his mind and just start killing people, that's who you think you're going to be by worshiping him. And so when opportunity comes for you to judge people and kill them, now maybe you kill them with your words or you kill them by cutting off relationship or you kill them by never starting a relationship because of where they came from or what they believe or whatever. When you kill things because you think God does, it makes a difference in your worship. It makes a difference in the way that you word things when you worship. But but if you think God is always good and you think God's goodness shows up regardless of your circumstances, if you think the goodness of God shows up regardless of of where you are and the choices you've made. If you think his goodness is always there, in other words, he's never left you or forsaked you, it makes a huge difference in the way that you interact with the world around you. Because now you realize God is good all the time. It's it's pretty awesome. But we have to go back to the beginning to find that. And and we should. Uh, Let's see. Another concept that I think that this hits on, right, is God's as hard to get to know as you want him to be. He really is. He, he you, If you've ever met a loving, kind, hope-filled, freedom-loving, gracious, meek, gentle, if you've ever met someone like that, they are not hard to get to know. They're pretty awesome to get to know. So if you're work if you're working around with a god, working with a god that's really hard for you to get to know, that's because you want him to be really hard to get to know. Because that's your perception of who God is. Just just uh, I don't want to go too far into that, but keep that in mind too. 
And then I, 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 that last little bit, you know, talking about you start to believe that God is good. You start to really start to see his goodness. You listen to my podcast and you start to rethink your story. I know last season we did the, the you know, the life of David and man, there's so much there. I was thinking about it the other day and I thought about all, I think we did four episodes on the ark alone, like just the lessons around the ark and where it was and and bringing it to Jerusalem. Like it's no flipping thing. David's story was intense, but, but you listen to it and the goodness of God is all through that. It changes, it changes you. I've had a good friend that says like, you messed with my theology and I like it. And I say to that, awesome. Let's keep messing around. And if you meet somebody who you don't agree with now anymore, or you meet somebody who you used to agree with, right? They're on Facebook or whatever, and they're like, hey, brother, remember, da-da-da-da-da, and you're like, ah, that's not me anymore. Just be gentle. Like, if you want to interact with them over the changes that you might have made, do it without judgment. Do it without aggression. Do it in love and freedom. Give them the freedom to interact with your with your theology about the goodness of God. Don't, don't come at them with, you've got it wrong! Because then, you know, we're just doing the same thing all over again. We're just being religious. Well, uh, that's all my thoughts for this week. I hope you guys had a great episode. (laughs) I look forward to next week's episode. Also, follow me on Facebook, Bob Thoughts on Facebook. And I'm on TikTok if you want to look for me there too. The Bob Switzer on TikTok. Have yourself a great day. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast on any platform you use. You can also reach out to Bob for questions or booking at thebobswitzer.com or email him at thebobswitzer at gmail.com. See you next week, guys.